and those who are not. And even, uh, as I mentioned, within the Christian church, there are those um, who are also showing a disconnect. Uh, those who no longer believe in the Bible as God's infallible, inerrant word. Um, um, we can no longer assume that we are all reading, as it were, from the same page anymore. Um, in 2009, Gordon Conwell Seminary uh, near Boston uh, did a study, and um, some of the things that were discovered, this is 2009, so it's a few years ago, 70% um, of those who were uh, interviewed, um, that could be just anybody, 70% uh, um, believe so 70% of all Americans believe that uh, many different religions can lead to eternal life. Um, and this 70% includes 65% of self-identifying Christians. Then when you look at those 65% of self-identifying Christians, um, then there are 56% of those um, and they identify as evangelical Christians, that 56% of those believe that there are many paths to salvation. And uh, it was, these numbers were so upsetting in a way that they thought maybe we did something wrong in the process of, of you know, the questions we asked or the, or the processing of the statistics, and they did it again. And the same results basically came out. Um, forty-five percent of the fifty-six, as a you know, as a, as a, as a total number, forty-five percent uh, clearly affirm through that there is that is necessary have a personal faith in Christ in order to be saved. Uh, the bottom line is that there are many among ourselves who no longer would insist on the on the dogma that it is through faith in Christ alone, in Christ alone, that there is salvation for anyone. So it just means that we're no longer uh, able to speak with one voice. This is why the confessions are so important. The confessions are human, but they help the church to speak with one voice. Um, but now that we live in this sort of postmodern world, where there's no sense that there is absolute truth just among gen Americans in general, but that has infiltrated the Christian community as well, so that uh, the, the Christian church uh, being sort of uh, impacted by that sentiment in the world that we, that we are seeing ourselves as too exclusive. And so who are we to say that you should be saved through faith in Jesus alone. Um, we don't take, we don't accept that anymore, that kind of uh, intolerance. Uh, and uh, I won't go into any other um, thoughts about that on, on that particular point. But uh, we are we're definitely challenged as a church to speak with one voice about the good news, about the story of Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, Christmas is the story of the one and only who came into the world to save sinners. When Peter, on the day of Pente uh, uh, at, at Pentecost, 
uh, speaks and gives a sermon, uh, he says it very plainly that there is no one else uh, under heaven by which uh, he must be uh, one must be saved. There is no other savior. There is no other alternative. Um, and so we are looking at this passage in light of the fact that again it speaks to our church today in the times in which we live today and it becomes more and more radical doesn't it our message becomes more and more radical and it's perceived by the world as radical and intolerant and undesirable therefore and so our challenge is shall we tone it down you know, the churches are challenged to tone it down uh, tone down the word of God um, you know, the Bible, is it the inerrant word of God? Is it God's word to us? Or is it the reflection of what humans have thought about God? That turns it all around. In Dutch theology, they call that theology, uh, theology from under up. It's hard to right. translate into English. But it is man from his vantage point defining and determining theology. Whereas the Reformation is um, blessing us as a Christian church with a perspective that God comes to us with his word and we are the recipients of his word and we are called to respond to it. Reflect on it as well, understand it and so forth, but there's always God speaking to us and it confronts us. Mm -hmm. Today's yeah. sentiment is that we take the Bible and we will tell God what his word says and that is the way by which churches uh, get um, uh, create the room for themselves to deal with these very hot-button issues that is homosexuality or living together cohabitating outside of marriage um, other issues um, it is no longer that we defend a position um, Sort of like the, the Billy Graham way, you know, the Word of God says. Um, you know, the Word of God, what does the Word of God teach us? Um, so, so there's a divide. Within the Christian church, there's a huge divide about um, things Christian. Um, and then in particular, who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Well, uh, we, we read it uh, a moment ago that um, um, the birth announcement and Joseph's response to that um, is that uh, the angel speaks to uh, Joseph and says about Mary, whom he is about to be married to fully, uh, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I'd like to use that last part of the verse for he will save his people from their sins as the as the stepping stone from which to uh, discuss these three points with us uh, Jesus is the only savior Jesus mm -hmm. was born to save people um, and uh, and uh, he, he saves us from what he saves us from our sins um, so Jesus is the only Savior. We see the same thing taught by Jesus himself in John 14, verse 6. I am the way. I am the only way, in other words. I am God. I am. And I am is here to tell you that there is no other way. I am the way. I am the way in the flesh. 
Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the only way. He's the only Savior. There is no other way. We don't believe it, like I said before, that it's because we have this private opinion that we tell the world our opinions about God, His Word. It's also not on the authority of the Church or its tradition, like we see in the Church of Rome, as the basis on which to speak words or teachings. Um, God's Word itself teaches us that Jesus is the one and only Savior whom God has sent into the world. No one can be saved except through Jesus. Um, the second point is this. Jesus was born to save his people. So what is man's problem? Man's problem is not uh, that we don't have enough finances, that we need help with our relationships, uh, with the economy, uh, with, um, with, with how societies uh, operate and, and, and run and uh, get into trouble. Um, the solution, as I always say, is a theological one. Uh, that's the core issue of all problems following the fall, that uh, theologically man is needy and is in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, the significance of Jesus' birth uh, is that he is the unique one, because in him alone does man have hope, hope for restoration. That restoration is in Jesus Christ alone, because he, as the Bible teaches, is the new Adam. He is the second Adam, you could say. He is the final Adam. As Adam represents humanity in the Old Testament, Paul talks about that, of course, in Romans, then, 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 then having failed, right, and he has drawn all of us into the fall with him, then we need a better Adam, one who can, uh, in, in whom and through whom the fall can be reversed. And that can only happen through one human being, who is the new Adam, who is the final Adam, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the solution to every single human being's issues. We talk so much about these things today, about, uh, you know, um, uh, we used to talk about alienation, um, you know, that people are alienated from each other and alienated from nature and so forth. Uh, well, we are theologically at enmity with our Maker. We are no longer in peaceful fellowship with creation, with each other. So we definitely need that restoration, and it can only be um, presented to us and given to us as a free gift through one person. And so Jesus is centrally the one we need to save us from our sins, but he is also the one in whom our humanity is restored, because it is a fallen humanity that we all share. So whether the society talks about homosexuality or heterosexuality or, or all these varieties that, that, you know, that people discuss in society, every human being, that kind of frees us up as well, right? Um, I, don't, I don't label a person by, by something external. I see a human being. So tomorrow morning when we're at the mission, yeah. we're going to see human beings. Yeah. Just human beings. Yes. 
And this one may think they are gay, and that one may think they are straight, and this one may think this or the other thing, but they're all human beings who are each made in the image of God, and they all need to hear about the second Adam. Amen. And he is the one in whom and through whom our humanity is restored. That includes our sexuality, but that is an aspect only, by the way. It's one aspect, and it is an aspect of this world. Because when we get to be with Jesus, in whom our humanity is restored, then of course we think of Jesus' words towards the end of his ministry, where he talks about uh, that in the new world, shall I call it, um, the world to come, there is no marriage or given in marriage. And I take that to mean that there is no uh, original mandate as we have it in Genesis to, to, uh, to replenish the earth, to procreate. Uh, things are in that consummate state, in such a state of perfection, that all of that has come to its fruition, its fulfillment, and it is perfection. Yes, that's right. And so I pray that all the people that are so divided amongst themselves uh, about these different issues, that, that the church would somehow have the, the, the winsomeness, forthrightness as well, but to bring the gospel of the second Adam into society, into the public square, so that we say, Man's problem is not that we don't have enough rights or freedoms. Uh, we need Christ to give us full freedom to become the men and women we are meant to be. And on this side of heaven it will be partial at most. But it will be the beginning of who we are renewed in Christ. Men and women, definitely. And I think that is the permanency of the creation extending into the new creation. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that distinction will be become obsolete. Uh, and God will be glorified through the perfected man and the perfected woman, thanks to Jesus Christ alone. Mm -hmm. So let all men and women, let all discussions mm -hmm. center on Jesus Christ. And as a church, I think we can try to do a better job at that. Um, because Amen. Jesus is the only Savior. There's no other Savior. And what was He born to do? To be an example to us, to be a sage, to be a real wise person like Mother Teresa or, or Gandhi or all these people that people think are so almost near divinity. Uh, not at all. He alone can save sinners. Amen. He alone can make something new out of that which is so old and left by itself it only faces its final termination mm -hmm. and so for human yes. beings that means that if we don't know Christ we are lost forever may it burden us to think of our loved ones I have them in my family maybe you have them in yours we have men and women we care about deeply who don't know the Lord in Jesus Christ, his son, and without him, they uh, will not be saved. That's why we had burdens for our friend Dan. He was raised in a Christian church, parents were Christians, um, and so through life, he just kind of probably walked away from that or, or, or gradually you know, went to the margins of church life and then beyond that to just living his own life. 
Um, and so Christian parents, brothers and sisters, friends, we have burdens for those types of persons as we ought. Do we care about the lost? Do you care about people you know who are lost? Because Jesus was born to save them. And we are the instruments by which the sovereign God brings in all his elect. Jesus was born to save people. And by his salvation can men and women be given the one and only hope there is to be had. Um, that is life everlasting. Fellowship with God. Reconciliation. The sins have been removed from us by the one and only who came, born in the flesh, the eternal Son of God. And that leads me to the final thought. Um, and that is again uh, that um, Jesus is the only one um, who, who saves us. Um, he is the one who does the work of a Savior. And it is uh, for the, um, the, the result is that it is for the forgiveness and the cancellation of our sins. Uh, sin is real. Sin is real in your life. It's real in my life. It is not just an oops. Uh, it's not just a mistake before a holy God who is a just God. And we can thank the Lord for that, that he is perfect in that as well, that he measures us by his perfect justice. And thanks be to God that he does, because in that way, I as a sinner can know that my sins are forgiven. Otherwise, I might have my lingering doubts. If God operated on any other type of criterion that would make him sort of um, arbitrary in his judgments, uh, I couldn't really trust a God fully, uh, completely like that. But such is not our God. He is the God who judges us by our justice. And my sins have been judged in Christ, so that in Christ I am born again. I am baptized into Christ um, through faith in Him. And so the Lord restores our humanity. He restores our relationship with God, so that the Savior is my Redeemer. The Savior is the one to whom I have been given newness of life. And I know that I have purpose. My life has purpose. Tomorrow, when things start up again, the weekly duties that we have, even today perhaps, but uh, life happens, and I can say that all these things are not just what God is not interested in, but I baptize them, as it were, into opportunities and means by which God will be glorified. Um, and so the mundane all of the sudden takes on a, sh a completely different appearance, doesn't it? The mundane that we think is maybe not spiritual, the mundane of doing my work, of doing activities, of reaching out, of helping others, of loving God, reading His Word, cooking the meal, that is to the glory of God, because of Him who has come into the world. The Word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus and the purpose that he gives to us in living life on this side of heaven. Thank you that there is meaning in life, there is purpose to life, and that is accomplished when your glory is accomplished as sinners come to faith in the Lord Jesus. It is our prayer, Lord, that the many, many men and women here and around the world 
would come to faith in you. Lord, burden your church with the responsibility, um, and a joyful one at that, to take seriously the great commission to make disciples of all nations. And yes, there are hundreds of millions far away that need to be saved by your Spirit, but there are also hundreds of millions right here in our country who seem to be without direction, who seem to be without God. Lord, in your mercy, will you become the Emmanuel to them through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.